Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Yet my name is Saf Cameron. I'm on team here at Gateway Baptist Church. My role sounds really fancy, but you know, it has the word director in it. Actually, I was thinking, sirs, can we put in for like president or something? That just sounds even more cool. No, I'm um, Gateway Ministry School Director. All that means really is I get to journey along with people who want to discover a deeper core in their journey with God. And we spend a whole year together you know, going through a whole bunch of Bible studies together, but also learning and um, understanding who they are in God and what God has purposed them to be. It's the coolest job in the world, and um, I know you want it one day, so you're welcome to it at any time, but you can come and join me at GMS and see what it's like for yourself. I am a mum as well, and I'll get to that in a little minute. I know that we um, are in the middle of the series called A Better Story, and that in the last two weeks, you have been covering the narrative of creation, which is looking at how you have been made for a purpose, and that purpose is to have relationship with God and relationship with others. And you also have been covering what it looks like to take responsibility for your own sin and to come to a recognition point in your life to know that you need to be redeemed and that all humankind needs the redemption power of Jesus. I love that, that we are doing that. And tonight I get the privilege of sharing with you a little bit about my story, and I hope that will bring some encouragement to you. So I am a mom, I'm married to David, and some photos are gonna come up in a moment of my family. I have um, a daughter who just turned 16. I know this is when they're very little, and yes. And we went to Japan, so we became like one of those families that did that. Um, It's really great. Um, So, yes, and I have twin boys. If you haven't worked out already, it keeps my life full. I have a household full of teenagers right now, so I'm loving it. I didn't think I would say that because um, people used to tell me, oh, teenagers, you're going to be up all night worrying about them. That may come when they get their licenses, but between the age of 13 and 16 right now, I feel like I have three new friends in the house where I can actually like watch TV shows with, teaching them how to cook, eating what they cook, (laughs) which is always interesting as well. But I love our life. We live a pretty ordinary life, my husband and I. Um, We live in the burbs on the south side. You know, I Uber drive my kids to all of their stuff, um, whether it's basketball or volleyball or social outings or whatever it is that's on their schedule. That is my life right now. So those of you who are mums in the room, I'm sure you know what that's like. Um, And I work at Gateway and I love what I do, as you know. So that is my current story. I think there was a Mother's Day picture. Was there like a picture of a steak? That happened today. There you go. So they said to me, what do you want? I said, steak. By by the way, my daughter's a vegetarian, so she had potatoes. Um, But I had steak. But what I love is I love words. And each one of my kids gave me a card with beautiful words. And my daughter bought me earrings. And I told her, she said, don't tell them about the earrings. I said, I will. So I'm wearing those tonight. Um, So yes, this is my family. But like you, though, I reckon if I were to get to know you at Vapianos, that there will be a deeper story to what has shaped and formed who you are as it is for me. So those of you who don't know my story yet, 
and sorry if you have heard it. Um, I grew up in a Buddhist family. So my family are Buddhist and they still are. My mom, my dad, and my brother. I'm the only Christian in my family. My dad left us when I was seven and I was raised by my mom. So she was a single mom. We escaped the Pol Pot War, if you don't know what that is. In the 70s, um, a regime came through Cambodia and there was a genocide. But my family escaped that and I grew up living in a refugee camp. I came to Australia when I was 11, turning 12, which is like over 30 something years ago. Now you know my age. And I came here with no education at all. Um, barely spoke Thai and barely spoke Cambodian. I think I kind of knew colloquial things growing up and came to Australia with no English whatsoever. I didn't have any friends growing up and um, probably most of the time felt very lost in this newfound country that's meant to give me this wonderful new life. And my profile on paper is not impressive by any shape or form. I actually didn't finish high school. Um, you know, I don't scream potential. I'm not like this person to put on a post and say, she will be the next success person. I was that girl that, you know, was rejected or felt rejected at least, definitely had limited options, and I was broken, and I lived in fear for most of my teenage years until I met Jesus, until I met Jesus. You may have a similar story to me, or actually you may not, but we all share a very similar desire and longing for a better story for our life. Would that be right? I desire a better story for my life, and I think you do too, that we don't wanna feel lost when we feel like we haven't belonged, but we wanna be found in God. We don't wanna longer live in fear, but we wanna live in freedom. We don't wanna be aimless with our life. We wanna feel like our life has a purpose. We don't wanna be left broken, but we wanna be in, invited to be redeemed. Sometimes we think that we can you know, chase success and achievements, well, at least I did growing up, thinking, well, maybe I would feel more valuable, more you know, of worth to someone if I can give something if my life could mean something, if I can you know, graduate high school or if I became a doctor or, or something that would actually help people, I thought that would give me a sense of worth. But my prayer for us tonight, for you and for me, is actually that we will all find a better story in that our worth comes from understanding who we are and who we actually belong to. That out of this place of knowing and being, it's when we really understand what our purpose and mission here is on earth. It's not the other way around. It's not by achieving first and then thinking, well, that's who I am, or that's who QUT says I am, or that's who Andrew Serkin thinks I am, or that's who Jason Ellsmore thinks I am, but it's who God calls me and who I am is most important in knowing that. Can I pray for us? Father, I just wanna pray tonight that as we open your word and just spend a little bit of time in it, that you will bring revelation, Lord, of the love that you have for us. So Lord, I pray for every person that is here tonight, that one thing they will walk away with knowing is that you love them and that you have created them and that you have a plan and a purpose for them. But all they have to do, God, is to first say yes to you. And in fact, it's not just one yes, but it's many yeses that we have to say to you in our life to come. 
Lord, I just pray that you would just breathe on your word tonight and that you will bring life to it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Scripture invites us to um, imagine God in so many different ways. I love how the Bible doesn't just assume that when we say God, that we know what it means, that actually encourages us by giving us images, which I find really helpful. So in the Bible, we see him as a farmer, a teacher, a builder. What else have we seen him as? We've seen him as a lover, a shepherd, a father, a lover, all sorts of things, a ruler, a judge, a writer. But the image of God has also um, been portrayed as a potter. And in Jeremiah 18, and we're going to read it together, it's going to come up on the screen, Scripture invites us to see God as an artisan, an artist. Would you read with me? This is from the message version. It says, God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house. When you get there, I will tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there, working away at his wheel. Whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. Then God's message came to me, can't I do just as the potter does, O people of Israel? God's decree. Watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works his clay, I work on you, O people of Israel. The Bible uses everyday images to teach us something, to reveal something to us, his principles and his character. This recurring illustration of the potter right through from Genesis to Romans actually gives us a picture of the relationship between the creator and the created. The first thing this passage teaches us is that God is always revealing his intentions. He's not hiding anything. He's always wanting to reveal his intentions to us. Jeremiah was called a weeping prophet. If you didn't know that, he cried a whole lot. And I think because his message to the children of Israel at the time wasn't a really lovely message. It wasn't like, come and know God and you will live a fruitful life. It was like, if you don't follow God, judgment will come and you will be punished. And he had to say that so many times. And, you know, he was not at all a popular prophet. And in the midst of the doom and the gloom of his messages, the word of the Lord came to him. Verses one and two says, God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house. When you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. He was directing Jeremiah to go and observe the potter and the clay and to wait for him to reveal something. Have you ever been in a situation <laughs> where you're like, I really need an answer and I kind of need it now? And yeah, I, I know I have. Um, if those of you who do have worked with me, I kind of want to know everything like tomorrow, like, now for tomorrow. Is that true? So yes, he's nodding hard. Um, I often ask God these questions, they may be the same questions as you. What is the next step, God? What do I do next? What is my purpose? I feel like I don't have a purpose right now. Or how much longer, God, do I have to sit in this particular season? I don't like it, and how long do I have to be here for? Sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, I'm definitely in a hurry to know. And God, in his infinite knowledge, slows the process of doing so that he can reveal something greater to us. 
You know, sometimes our brain can be like processing so fast and our heart wants to leap towards the things that we think we should be doing. And when really, Scripture is so many times and so often the Bible says to us, you know, stop, be still, take a breath. How about take a Sabbath, the thing that I've instituted for your rest, so that we can actually slow it all down. When we declutter our minds, it's an opportunity for God to show us something. It's an opportunity for him to speak something to us. It's an opportunity for him to reveal his intentions. You know, for Jeremiah, I'm sure he's just like, God, will you just tell the children of Israel what's going to happen and we can just be done with this story? But God goes, no, get up on your feet and take a little trip and just go there. And when you get there, I will tell you. It's like, but why, why do I have to do that? Why can't you just tell me now? You know, my formal story is to stay in my own thoughts, right? My own thoughts are, I grew up, I have nothing to offer. I'm this person that really is alone and don't have many gifts to offer at all or to give. And I have struggles in my life. But if I slow down enough, if God says, no, hang on, Saf, just take a moment and just go and sit, then his voice actually becomes louder than my own thoughts. And God just wants to reveal something significant to you and to me. And sometimes we are too busy to actually hear those things. I don't know if I'm the only person up here that feels this way, but I definitely feel like I need to slow down sometimes and just allow him to speak to me. You know, God reveals something significant to Jeremiah. I, you know, I love scripture. It says, like, God said this and Jeremiah just did it. I wonder whether there was, like, an argument in between. I wonder whether God, you know, Jeremiah was like, oh, you know. He didn't say, well, Jeremiah sighed at God's request. It just said he got up and he went. And there, God revealed something significant to him about the children of Israel, about his people. What is God saying to you? Have you have ever felt that tugging in your heart or in your spirit or the feeling in your stomach where you're like, I really feel like I need to be doing that right now, but I'm going to choose this instead? What is God saying to you? Is it that you need to start taking a Sabbath again, taking a day of rest so that he can love on you and replenish your soul? Is it, you know, that he can speak to you? So slow down take a drive, go for a walk or a run in Circus's case? Is he asking you to do that and say, no, I'm too busy, I've got other things to do, God? What is he saying to you? The second thing the passage um, teaches us is that God is always at work and he, it is a process. We are a working progress. So in verse three and four it says, so I went to the potter's house and sure enough, the potter is there working away at his wheel. God is not a lazy God. Sometimes we think he is absent and we wonder, where are you? What are you doing? I ask these questions from time to time. And then this reminds me actually that he is always at work. He is not a lazy God. He may be working in the background or in the foreground, but he is always at work in your life. It's a beautiful picture, right, when we read in Jeremiah that we see this potter at a wheel working at the clay. To me, it's not like he's kind of like working at the clay and looking at something else or, you know, trying to take a drink. His whole attention 
is on the piece of clay at the wheel. That is his intention and his heart towards you. I don't know what is more beautiful than that, that he would actually, not thinking, I'm going to create a million things, but so I'm not going to give you this lovely thing, attention. But, I'm at, but this picture tells us that he does, that he's, all his attention is on that. When he created you, all his attention is on you. That is a deep and intimate and beautiful picture. This image is not new in scripture. You know, right from the beginning, we see God as the creator of the world, that he was the greatest landscaper. You know, he was a designer of our world. He spoke and things came to being, let there be light and there was light. But when it came to human beings, it actually took a little bit longer. Not in time, I can't tell you what the time was, but I think scripture just gave us a little bit more of a picture. It wasn't like God just said, there's human being, poof, and there they were. It actually went to describe that he went and he knelt down and he picked up clay, the dust, whichever version you want to read, and he actually puts it into his hand and he forms it and then he breathes on it. And that became a new creation. The first human being was formed by the very breath of God. And we are told that we are created in his image. So nothing else was created. Everything else does reflect his nature and his image, but specifically human beings are created in his image. That is the truth. I know that kind of, you're like, yeah, I've heard this all before, but until it resonates into your heart and you receive it, you need to understand how special that is, that you, each one of you and me, are incredibly special. We are that vessel that he paid every attention to when he formed it. I think someone needs to hear that tonight. You know, when Jeremiah himself was not clear about the core that God had for him, Jeremiah came up with so many excuses. He was like, I'm too young, I can't speak. Not me, please someone else. Jeremiah 1.5 says this. The word of God came to him and he said this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Let me say that again. Before I formed you, before you were even knitted in your mother's womb, I already know you. Before you were born, I already set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There's something in the timeline of our brain that, that doesn't quite compute because you know there's cause and effect. That's how we like to think. It's unimaginable that God already knew you. And actually, he already knows all the unborn children that are about to come into the world that he knew them already. You need to be reminded of that, that his thoughts towards you is far and vast and deep. And it outnumbers, you know, the Bible tells us it outnumbers the grains of sand, the hairs in your head. You know, recently I had a go at pottery and I forgot to bring my bag of my little creation of pottery. I'm very proud of it. But I did, there is a photo of that. Luckily, there's Instagram these days where you can go back and, and find it. These are some things that I have created recently because I actually do love pottery and there is something about the process of it that's amazing. But I probably won't do it justice if I was going to tell you how 
So I thought I'd invite our great friend Shannon Wilson to come up. Would you give her a hand for me? So Shannon's a part of our city campus here. And um, she is many things, like a wonderful mama teacher and a great friend, but she's also an artist. Thanks. And pottery is one of your art forms, is that correct? Great. Yes, <laughs> yes there's a microphone. microphone, excellent. Um, Shannon, can you tell me why pottery? What do you love about pottery? Um, when, when I look at that picture, if I, if I looked at that before I did it, I would go, ooh, yuck, I don't want to do that because I'm not into dirty fingers and things. <laughs> but once I had a go at it, I, I just love that I can take a lump of dirt, lump of clay, and turn it into something not just practical and has a purpose, which is awesome, but beautiful. I can make yeah. something whatever shape I like and however I want it to be. However I imagine it in my head, I can create it. It's cool. Wow. How long have you been doing this? Uh, only a few years, maybe okay. three years. Great. I do love your stuff. Now, you brought, um, and I had a great time with you. My daughter and I, during lockdown, because there's things we can need to do during lockdown to <laughs> stimulate ourselves, we actually went to get class with you and I create those things. I have to say... She did a good job. I did do a good job, but to be honest, I think you did most of that <laughs> by helping me shape it. <laughs> I just um, made sure you were successful. That's thank you. Thank you so much. And I was, and now I can proudly tell the whole Instagram world how good I am when really it was, they were your hands. Yeah. Um, Shannon, you brought a few pieces tonight. Could yes, you tell us a little about them? Uh, so uh, on Easter, on Good Friday, I think it was, I had some time because we had the day off mm -hmm. and um, I really felt inspired. I really wanted to go and make something and, and the clay that I had was two different types of recycled clay. So they were things that didn't work previously that I'd recycled the clay and then was able to make something new. So mm -hmm. I've got... So this is a set of three. So it's kind of representative of the three days of Easter. And um, the one here on the... I'll come over here if that's all right. Please. Uh, this one over here um, was kind of... Yeah. Uh, let me... Go let me, serve. I this one's called um, Love Sacrifice. So this one's about Easter Friday, about the amazing... The, the amazing beauty that there is in Jesus' sacrifice for us. Mm. So that was that one. Um, the plate in the front... So this one um, was more about Easter Saturday, where it's never is never fun. It's it's like um, I can only imagine the disciples being in this whirlwind of waiting, and how that would have felt um, when their you know their their master died and he's not here mm. anymore, and he said he was coming back, and it just that that whole idea of waiting can be really difficult. So that was the whirlwind there. Um, and this one was uh, representative of coming out of the darkness into the light um, on wow. Resurrection Day and the idea of us being redeemed. So that's what this one was about. Great. Did you name this piece Redeemed? I did name it Redeemed. That's wonderful. It works in very well with what it says. <laughs> we didn't plan this, no, I we honestly. Didn't. <laughs> I ran here just a couple of days ago, honestly. Yeah. So um, 
This is beautiful. So this is not quite finished yet, though. Is that right? No, that's right. Well, um, just in making this piece, like because they've got two different types of clay, um, they work differently. So one might be soft and one might be hard, and trying to get those things together doesn't necessarily work very well. So when I, I knew what I wanted to make, I wanted to make something similar to this, but I couldn't. Um, you don't know until you've made it as to what it's actually going to look like. Um, but it didn't work. All of this whole bottom half of it slumped and spread out and didn't work at all. So I went, okay, I'm just going to put it aside, let it dry for a bit but, so it's not so wet. And then um, while I did something else, then I came back to it and um, had another go at it and just tried to make it do what I wanted it to do. And it, and it did eventually, but it actually worked out a lot better than I'd planned because all of these, um, these two colours started to mixed together a little bit more than they otherwise would have in the way that I was going to. Hmm. And the process of making this, can you just take us, because I know there's steps and I can't remember them all. Yeah, that, that's can you just okay. let us know, because, you know, God is always working on us, right, and there's a process, and I think there is something about the process of making pottery that's actually relevant for us in life. Hmm. So um, the first thing you do is you need to get the clay ready. So the clay is generally fairly hard and you need to make all those particles move quite easily. So you do lots of kneading or um, as I do a de-wedging where you slam it down, it's quite therapeutic to get all those bits of clay <laughs> working. Then you grab the clay itself and um, measure it out and centre it on the wheel. You cone and dome it, which is getting the clay ready again before you start forming your piece. Uh, that was scary, I have to say. <laughs> can be the first time. You'll get better, Sam. Thank you. Um, once, once you've formed your piece then, um, then the, it needs to well, dry just a little bit so that you can trim the bases and make it all pretty and how you want it to be. And then you need to let it dry for about a week, at least, depends on the weather. Um, from there, you put it into a kiln. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a really, really hot oven goes up to um, 10, uh, 1,040 degrees for the wow. first firing. And that gets it to this stage here where it's bisque fired. So it's hard enough to be able to move, hold and, and not break it, um, but it's not quite finished yet. Uh, so then you glaze it. So you put a glaze over it, however you want it to be. And then you put it back in the kiln up to various temperatures, but 1,200, and 1200 degrees is kind of what I'll probably do these ones to. And then the final piece is ready. Beautiful. Um, so even though you can't see it at the moment, I can see what it's going to look like. And all of those grey bits are actually going to turn into really intense black colour. Mm. Um, and the white will come out a lot whiter as wow. well. So those two colours will contrast a lot more. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that process with us, Shannon. Thank you. <laughs> Let me read verse three and four, uh, verse four to you. Whenever the pot the potter was working with turned out badly, as sometimes happens, as Shannon just said, when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over. But he doesn't discard it. He says this, he said he uses the same clay to make another pot. As Jeremiah was watching this process, he sees that the potter determines the clay to be unsatisfactory for whatever reason, whether it's too wet or it's got like an object in it or it's too dry, but he doesn't actually discard it. You know, in my former story, before I met Jesus, I would probably deem myself unsatisfactory in terms of what our society would see me. I'll be one of those people that people would go and maybe feel empathetic towards or have sympathy towards and go, it would be great if she just did something with her life, anything at all, right? 
I would deem myself as unsatisfactory. There had been times when I thought my dad probably left us because we were naughty children or we weren't great or he was just really unhappy with us. Is that the reason why he left us? Or that I wasn't chosen to be part of the sporting team because I wasn't athletic enough or whatever it was. Or I wasn't chosen to be a part of that team or be a part of this group of people. Is it something about me that's not good enough? Is it because I'm damaged? Is it because my history is just too much for some people? You know, this, the picture of Jeremiah tells us a better story. It tells us that God does not discard us at all. It's not like, I mean, Shannon would know this. Actually, I begged her if I can use a different clay because when I was doing the doming and the cloning thing, I was like, I don't want to use this particular one. She says, no, it's still good. Use it again. You'll be fine. You will create something out of that. And that's how God sees us. He doesn't discard us because we deemed ourselves unsatisfactory. He actually uses what is unsatisfactory and creates something beautiful out of it. This is a story of redemption. And I love that this piece is called The Redeemed. You know, all vessels are breakable, which is why I try to hold that very gently. It's all breakable. You and I are vessels that are pretty breakable. We have emotions, we have feelings, we've got things about us that, you know, sometimes people can break. And all, we all experience different seasons in our life. There's been good seasons. I'm not saying everyone here is depressed and, you know, that we all go through really hard times all of the time. There have been some good seasons where, for me, it's like going to the beach, eating lots of ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and going for long walks, and, or starting a new project. I love that. There's so much energy when I start a new project. But some seasons have been really hard. They're just pure hard work. Whatever stage of life you're in, I think you know what that feels like. Whether it's you that can't see on top of your responsibilities. I mean, when I had the twins, I was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the rest of my life because right now, all I do is keep three little ones alive. That is my achievement. I can't see on top of the responsibility of washing dishes, cooking dinner, and making sure my kids are burped and bathed and had all the right things, go to the doctors for the right vaccinations, no vaccinations. Think about all of those things. The responsibilities were so high. And then my husband comes and says, how was your day and what did you do with your day? I'm like, I don't care, I don't wanna talk to you. Please take the children. <laughs> There's been times where I'm stuck in that. There's been times in my work where I'm like, I don't know how we're gonna move forward in this. I'm not seeing the fruit that I think God wants to see and I have to go to the altar with him about that. There's been disappointments in my life. I'm sure it has been in yours. Some seasons will leave us broken in some way. And sometimes when you feel broken, I know when I have felt broken, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I'm worth anything that someone would actually invite me to be a part of, to give into something or to be used by God. But the reality is that God uses everything and he uses us regardless of our brokenness. There's a beautiful method. I, you saw some pictures of us in Japan. Um, there's a method in pottery in Japan called kinzuki where broken vessels get fixed with liquid gold. Nothing else but liquid gold. The Japanese people believe this, that broken objects are not something to hide, but to be displayed with pride. And I'll read out the philosophy behind Kintsuki, and it's gonna come up on the screen. It says, by repairing broken ceramics, it is possible to give new lease of life 
to the pottery that becomes even more refined thanks to its scars. The liquid gold highlights and enhances the breaks, thus adding value to the broken object. The former story that you live and that I live would tell me that I'm not worthy, that we are not worthy, that we don't have much to offer, that we are lonely, that we are unlovable. Whatever is your former story, tonight there is a better story for you, for me, and for all of humanity, in fact. And that story is found in the story of Jesus. Because of his sacrifice, the Bible tells us that we are all redeemed. We are all redeemed from our sins. We are all welcomed into his family and we are all loved by him. Colossians 1.20 says this, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's Jesus. 1 John 3.1, see how great our love of the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God just as we are. I stand here tonight and I can declare to you that I have a better story today in 2021 than when I came to, when I was, when I came to Australia 30 something years ago. Now I went back and actually I finished high school. Yay, (laughs) I really did do it. I didn't go back to the same high school, let's just say, that would be social suicide. No, I did go back and I did finish high school. I did reconcile with my father. He left us, we found him, we reconciled. I wouldn't say we're best friends, but I would say there has been forgiveness for each other for that time. I traveled the world with my husband and my kids. I've served on a mission field. I became a youth worker, worked in schools as a chaplain, became a pastor, completing, right now I'm completing my master's. The girl that didn't finish high school had no confidence in herself is doing her master's. You can feel sorry for me at any time, right? and serving God and championing people in my role at Gateway Ministry School. If you had told me 30-something years ago that's who I would become, I wouldn't believe you. Actually, most people wouldn't believe you. You know, I was that broken vessel that got fixed with this liquid gold, right? And that liquid gold is the good news here. It's the better story for us. It's the blood of Jesus. And from this place of redemption, he creates each one of us on purpose and for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, beforehand, before you were born, he knew, so that you would walk in them. God prepared good works for you to be a part of, despite your skills, despite your education, despite what your bank account says, what your social status is, how many friends you got on Instagram, how many people are following you, what people are saying, whether they're commenting about you, what people's opinions are of you. That good work centers around relationship with him and with others. That's the good works that God has prepared for us. Not all of us can be astronauts, not all of us can be the president of a country, not all of us can be any of those things that we would deem successful, but all of us have been created for relationship with him, beautifully made with his full attention and intention so that we can connect with him, but more than that, so that we can actually connect with each other. I want you to read with me from 2 Corinthians, it's coming up on the screen, would you follow with me? Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. 
We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and we see that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start and it's created new. The old life is gone and new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with him through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop off their differences and enter into God's work of the making things right between them. We are speaking for Christ himself now. So become friends with God because he's already a friend of yours. The better story is that all people, you, me, the person down the street, your friend, your coworker, your family member, can all be redeemed into a relationship with God. And our purpose as a Christian is really quite simple. It really is because you have been redeemed. You have the responsibility and the role to see others come and also be redeemed. You know, our city, if you walk out here tonight, is full of people who would love to know that there is a creator that loves them, who wants to be redeemed from all the things they may have committed or done and have been judged by. Whatever their circumstances, you can just walk out. There's people who are orphaned in their spirit, who are lonely in this noise and business of our society, who are longing to be adopted, to belong. I want to belong. I want to feel like I belong. I want to know that I'm adopted. I know that now. But there are so many people as we walk out from these doors tonight that don't know that. You may have some of them in your family, in your workplace, at your university. Jeremiah, you know, delivered a message from God to the Israelites, but that is the same message for us, that God's intention for his people is that we are to be different. You know, we are to be the people that reflect who God is, and we are to be people who love just like he loves. We are to be people that shine his light so that others may find him, so they too can be restored and redeemed and adopted into a family. And I invite you to close your eyes tonight with me, if you can. I want you to take a moment and consider your story. We're in the middle of that series. I wonder whether you've took some time in this past couple of weeks to even understand your own story. And I want you to remind you of what we talked about tonight as you think of your story, that God has formed you and he is reforming you all of the time, just like the potter and the clay. That he would never discard you, that he wants to redeem you, that he wants you to carry his message of redemption to others, that he actually purposely designed you so that you could receive his love, but you are also designed to pour out that love to others so they too can know him. What is your story? I wanna pray for two groups of people. Please keep your eyes closed. The first group of people is that you may be sitting here and you're saying, I want 
a better story for myself. Whatever the journey that I'm on right now, Sav, and God, is not the journey, it's a journey that I feel like I'm unsatisfactory. I feel like I have been discarded. I feel like I'm not worthy, that I don't fit, that I'm not good enough. You know, earlier we were singing the song that says, God, you know, um, you would split the sea so I can walk through it. You may be sitting here tonight and you're crying and saying, God, I need you to split that sea, that sea of broken relationship, that sea of me living in fear, that sea of me not knowing what my future is, that fear that I hold when I go to bed at night. I need you to split that sea so I can walk through it. I want to pray for you tonight. So if that's you, everyone's eyes are closed. It's just me and God. Would you stand where you are so I can pray for you? If you want a better story for yourself, if you walked in here tonight, you know, I want a better story than the one I'm living. I want to pray and believe that with you tonight. Would you stand with me? And then there's a second group of people that you want to see others have a better story. You know you hold and you love God, and, but you see so many people around you that are hurting and are aching, and you're just like, I, I just want them to have a better story. You're saying to God tonight, I want to be the carrier of this message of redemption. Why don't you stand? If you are saying... You want to say that to God tonight. I want to be that person, God. I want to be that vessel. I want to bring the message of reconciliation and redemption in my family, through my, with my friends, with those I work with, with those I study with. Why don't you stand? Thank you. For the rest of us, why don't you open your eyes and gather around these guys? You know which category they're in, but may the Lord lead you as you go and pray for them. There's two groups of people who want a better story for themselves, and there's a group of people who are saying, God, I really want to be that vessel to be used. If you know these guys who are standing, why don't you go and surround them and let's pray for them as a community of people. Thanks, Johnny. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.